the Making Sense of Life podcast, episode nine. According to J.K. Rowling, life is difficult and complicated and beyond anyone's total control. The humility to know that will enable you to survive its vicissitudes. The Making Sense of Life podcast will not only empower you to navigate through a fast-changing world, but also to grow in body, mind and spirit. Inward change precedes outer transformation. As the ancient Greek author Plutarch once said, what we achieve inwardly will change outer reality. This podcast is sponsored by Logos Medical Legal. Sunil also works privately with senior leaders. Go to drsunil.com forward slash corporate to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Making Sense of Life podcast with me, Sunil Raheja. This episode is coming to you from New Delhi, India, where we've got a good friend, uh, Simon Prince, who um, we've known for about, about six years. So hi there, Simon. Hi, Sunil. It's good to be with you. It's great to have you. And for those of our listeners who don't know, Simon is the director of MDN Fusion, which is a leadership development consultancy that's been based here in Delhi since 2009. And way back then, um, I had the privilege of being one of the first ever participants in, um, in, the, in the training given by Simon for MDN Fusion. Wasn't that right, Simon? Yes, we, uh, I'm glad to say we've evolved a little bit since then. Uh, I think in those days, um, we were a little bit uh, just feeling our way into India and into this environment. And, uh, and so it's been a long journey, but it was good to be able to start that journey with you six years ago. That's great. And our listeners may be wondering, well, what's the link here with MDN Fusion, Simon Prince in Delhi, and, and what we're about? Well, as, you, as our regular listeners will know, that uh, the Making Sense of Life podcast and the blog at drsignal.com is all about making sense in a challenging and complex world. Uh, a recent word I heard about it is that we live in a VUCA world. That's a V-U-C-A world, which is volatile, unpredictable, complex, and ambiguous. And MDN Fusion, as a leadership development consultancy, uh, very much have an important role. So tell us, Simon, what does MDN Fusion actually do? So as you said, Sunil, we're a leadership development consultancy. Uh, We uh, first started in the UK um, in the 1990s, and we've been going here in India for the last six and a half years. Um, The things that we do tend to vary, but they're really all about helping people to realize their full potential. So it could be uh, training, it could be uh, some assessments, it could be coaching, it might be um, doing some kind of retreat, uh, facilitating those kind of uh, discussions. So, but essentially the thing that ties it all together is our desire and our passion to help people grow because we feel that people have huge potential which is often untapped. Can I ask you a provocative question then on that? Surely, you know, we live in a world that's just full of education, universities, people with degrees, with MBAs, with doctorates, with PhDs. Surely, you know, technical skills and having a good education, you know, that's such an important thing. It's, they, people talk about it so much here in India and all over the world and universities are flourishing and have got so much training everywhere. So what's the, what, what do you do that's different? That's a great question. Um, yes, education is important, but I think formal education I'm talking about. But it's really only the the foundation for a successful life. 
Um, it's interesting that a lot of the research that has been done about what makes people successful actually comes back to things other than formal education. And so we're here to try and uh, help people develop the ways of thinking and therefore behaving that will enable them to be successful in whatever environment they're working so, in. So what other things are there apart from education in terms of formal education? That would be really helpful for our listeners to, to hear a little bit more about that. Well, one of the things I hear as I visit um, CEOs, COOs, HR directors in corporate India, um, and it's probably the same elsewhere as well, is that uh, almost always this exactly the same thing they say. Our people have great technical skills, but there's something missing that is um, preventing them from really developing to their full potential. And so often we're asked to, for organizations to go in and help them develop um, other skills other than the technical skills that, as you said, people have, people have in abundance. But what we're finding, particularly in the knowledge economy, is just having technical skills just isn't enough. So that begs the question, then what, what do you need apart from technical skills? I think one important aspect are the, the people skills and the soft skills um, that, uh, that we would, um, some, some people would take for granted or some people even by calling them soft skills would in a sense downgrade them to being unimportant. But again, most of what, what you read and most of what we see is that people's career uh, trajectory isn't really determined by um, their technical skills but by the way that they can both relate to work with and lead other people. Yes. Certainly, yeah, I, I've you know, come across a saying that people are hired because of their technical skills, but they leave their jobs or they're fired because of their lack of, you like, people skills or issues to do with their character. And regular listeners to our, or regular readers of our, of our blogs will know that we've talked about what, what makes real success, and it is that combination of technical skills. So if you're a brain surgeon, it does help to know a little bit about the brain, but that's not going to just be enough. You've got to have people skills to work within your team, and you've got to have the character to do what you say and say what you do. Um, but, yeah, anything further you want to tell us about that? Yeah, I think um, we would certainly not say that technical skills are unimportant. As you said, if, uh, if you're going in for brain surgery, bottom line is you want the brain surgeon to be technically competent. Um, you're not too bothered about the people skills. That's like a nice additional extra. But I think, in the, again, in the knowledge economy, in the, particularly in corporate uh, world, as people rise up the corporate ladder, they're really seeing that, as I said, technical skills are a good foundation but they're not enough, and so people skills are important. You mentioned character there. Um, one of the things that we do is we really talk about character a lot in, in our training. There's a number of reasons for that, but one reason is uh, uh, many, many of your listeners may have, uh, have heard of a book called The Leadership Challenge by Jim uh, Kuzes and Barry Posner. It would be great to, to fill us in on that as well, Simon. Yeah, sure. yeah. Sure. It's, a, it's really a seminal book on leadership, um, been out for many years now. And they interviewed um, thousands of people from every single continent across the world. And they asked them the, the characteristics that people most valued in a leader. Uh, they asked them to choose uh, seven characteristics. Uh, 88% of those um, respondents chose integrity or honesty as one of those uh, key sort of areas. 
And so that was the highest figure for any quality or any characteristic that Cousins and Posner looked to study. So we might think about things like being uh, courageous or being resourceful or being innovative and things like that would be very important, but they were ranked much, much lower down than integrity and honesty in this study by Cousins and Posner. Often those things are looked as very soft kind of skills. I think we often have a naive understanding that if we know, like, and trust each other and, we, and, we can, and we've both got good intentions or everybody in the team has got good intentions, then things will just naturally just work out. Um, but I think experience shows again and again how that so often is, is not the case. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of the time people see this as, like you said, as, as a bit soft and really not that important. But if you look at many of the large corporate bankruptcies that there have been over the last 10 years, you'll find at the heart of them, most of those have something around business ethics or values or character associated with them. So, for example, um, uh, one study by China Gorman in uh, 2014 said that 50% of the largest corporate bankruptcies happened due to unethical business practices. That again? That's 50%. So that's half of all corporate bankruptcies had a significant aspect of unethical behavior in them. And just to just underline that, we're talking about billions and billions of dollars basically being wasted and, and going down the drain because of a lack of character and a, lock, a lack of, what, of so-called soft skills, really. Yeah, so uh, in, in that same study, um, it was estimated that that would be $1.228 trillion. So we're not talking about a small amount. We're, we're talking about something that is critical for leaders to, to uh, have these, uh, these character traits and these character qualities. So, like you said, seeing it as just an optional extra I don't think is good enough anymore. We, we need to build leaders from the, in a sense, from these strong character foundations, then build on top of that technical skills and then the kind of the people skills that you talked about too. So you're really hitting a very important area that's often, I think, been largely ignored or undervalued. And I know one of the things you're really very passionate about, Simon, that's, again, foundational to this, is the whole area of importance of mindset. Uh, what do you tell us a little bit about what mindset is and what you mean by that? And, and what you mean by that? Sure, yeah. So when we first came to India six years ago, we were talking about mindsets, the way that we think, the mental models that we have. Back then, no one was talking about it. But what we found is that uh, over time, we are hearing more and more from large organizations that they want large mindset components in any development program that we run for them, which is great for us because we're passionate about that and we believe in it. Um, but it's good that it's getting a much wider recognition. In terms of what we really mean by mindsets, I think that we're really saying that um, often it's not the technical skills or even the people skills that, that, that limit someone's potential. It's the way that they think. And really, this is the whole, if you think about it, the whole personal development industry um, is really built on understanding why do two people who have the same characteristics and the same opportunities achieve radically different outcomes? When we say radically, we really mean radical. I mean, what is it, for example, that makes someone like Steve Jobs, who, falls, who, who, who leaves university after one year, ends up sort of sleeping on the floor, of the, on, on the dormitory floor of, of a friend, to then go on to create something like Apple? Uh, and that somebody else who goes through similar circumstances maybe just sort of wanders through life and achieves nothing whatsoever? I mean, 
what is it that makes that difference? So, um, uh, me with my uh, colleague and good friend uh, Kevin Brinkman, we we looked into this. We were building uh, our leadership development program called the World Class Leader, and we wanted mindsets to really be at the heart of that program. And so um, we we really did a, a look at Kevin. Really did a look at an audit of the whole personal development industry to really understand what what were the things that differentiated highly successful people. What he found is that um, it's really about the way that we respond to challenges. And so uh, those who respond, um, most of us, when, when a challenge comes into our lives, we tend to do three things, or at least one or two of these three things. We tend to complain about it. We tend to blame someone or something for the circumstance. And then often we give up. So that's what most people do. All three of those, Simon, I can often do those kind of things myself. (laughs) Yeah, and and if we're honest, we all do those three things or at least a combination of them when when a challenge comes into our lives. But what we found um, when uh, when we looked into this, and really the whole personal development industry sort of, in a sense, at its core, it kind of has this. It said that actually highly successful people are different they don't do those three things. In fact, they do the opposite of those three things. That they, the first thing they do is they give thanks. Right. They give thanks. They give thanks for the challenge. Right. That's, that's, that's remarkable, isn't it? Whereas rather than complain or or blame or or just give up, they actually give thanks. Now, that, just yeah, that, that's, tell us a bit more about that. That sounds fascinating. Yeah. Well, they recognise that actually this challenge. Uh, can be seen as a challenge but can also be an opportunity for their growth for their development and for their betterment as well so they it's it's really about in a sense the old adage of seeing the glass half full rather than half empty so um, you may be familiar for example with someone like nick vujic yes, um, we've got his video on, on the on, on on the website i think uh, about uh, i think looking at joy why joy is more important than happiness and uh, he's a remarkable person uh, if you if you've not seen the video certainly go to the website and see that a man born with no arms and no legs who has an incredibly positive attitude and, and if you're having a bad day and you, you look at that you think well okay that, there's there must be things that i can be thankful for even though they're not going the way i want so so someone like nick Vujicic and many others as well you see this characteristic in them of not uh, wallowing in self-pity, but actually of giving thanks even for their circumstance and the unique opportunities that that's given them. So that's the first thing that these highly successful people seem to do. The second thing is is really in regard to what we would say testing truth. Um, when we say testing truth, we're, we're all told a lot of things about ourselves, um, even from the time when we when we're children. We might be told... Uh, very good things about ourselves. We might be told very bad things about ourselves. Sometimes those things might be true. Sometimes those things might not be true. Into adulthood, we're often told different things by different people uh, in family contexts and in work contexts and in other contexts too. Um, what highly successful people do is they work very, very hard to test out what is the actual reality of this situation and what is the reality of my ability to both cope and thrive in this situation. So they don't just take at face value the first thought that comes to their head that this is impossible or I can't do it or or I'm I'm a failure or I'm useless, but they test out and and they look for where... 
where, where, as you say, where, where, the, where the reality is. Yeah. You got some examples or anything you wanted to give for that? I mean, there's numerous examples of, of very, um, very famous people. Um, uh, the, um, I think uh, Thomas Edison is a great example. I think his school teacher uh, famously told him that he was pretty useless. Um, he really didn't know anything. And, uh, but he had a nice personality, so he should try and go into a job where, where his nice personality would get him through because he really had no talent or no yeah. ability. And yet, as we know, he went on to, yeah. to invent the light bulb. So m- many people like that who have been told things but have chosen to test that rather than just believe it. And this is very deep-rooted because so often at school people get told that, they, that they're used to a particular subject. On, on the website, we'll, we'll put a link on, in the show notes, uh, there's, there's a post about famous school reports and uh, one of them is Sir John Guyden. Basically, his school report at 16 says this boy should never even think about doing science because he, he's, he, he's just hopeless at it completely. Uh, and the fact that he wants to go into science is, is completely ridiculous. That, that's the gist of what the school report says. This man then eventually went on to win the Nobel Prize for, uh, I think it was for um, medicine and physiology or something. But it's on the website. We'll, we'll, we'll put the show notes on that. But, it, but there's, that's just one example. There are lots and lots of those examples. So testing reality is really important. So the first was be giving thanks, testing reality. How about the next one? Yeah, the third one is really about imagining the destination. Uh, a lot of the time um, we can feel that um, there's no hope in this current situation. But those who are highly successful seem to project themselves forward and imagine a better future for themselves. Um, so um, a lot of this comes from the, the world of sport and sports psychology where it's very big. Um, but it, you can see it in other aspects of, of life as well. Uh, and so it's not just about sort of this thinking blindly, oh, I think things will get better, but it's about um, really focusing on on, um, what am I going to do and where is that going to lead me. So I imagine a better future, and by imagining a better future, in a sense, I then build a bridge to that future. I think what that hinges on another very important issue, going back to the whole principle of mindset, is that we are much more capable than we realise. Again, maybe one on the show notes will put a link to one of the, the posts is about the power of the human brain. And if you know, if you think you can do something or you think you can't, you're almost certainly right. And are you going to use your mind, in a sense, to your advantage, or are you going to use it against you? One of the big things about the drsignal.com website is the whole area of depression and negative thinking and how, that in so, how that's an increasingly um, prevalent mindset, if you like, in today's world with the general unhappiness and the rise of that. And that's very much because we're bombarded by technology, we're bombarded by what I call CNN, which is constant negative news, that again affects our mindset. But if we can learn the skills that there are to use our mind for us, then really, I mean, there's huge potential that's out there. Um, Yeah, just um, one other thing is that um, how this relates to leadership is quite interesting because uh, Jim Collins in his book Good to Great really says that great leaders and great organizations, they face the brutal facts, which is essentially about testing truth. So they don't hide from what's going on. They do face things brutally and quite ruthlessly sometimes, but they never lose hope in creating that better future and of overcoming those things. And so that's in a sense a little bit um, like what we were just saying, these three areas about testing, particularly testing truth and imagining the destination, a better destination 
very similar to what Jim Collins found in his research for in, in the corporate world, that those organizations that were highly successful over long periods of time had those qualities, that they, they were brutal with themselves. They tested that truth, but then they never lost hope of creating a better future. Yes, that Stockdale paradox is fascinating because I, I always think it's Admiral Jim Stockdale. He was a, in, a, uh, uh, was it in, in, in a prisoner of war camp in Vietnam and was there for many years in solitary confinement. He was able to, to see the brutality of the situation, but in a sense he knew that he had to just press on rather than, have it, as it were, have a naive optimism. I think he talks about that in, in the book, that those people who died in that, in, in that prisoner of war camp were those who just thought that things will be okay, but weren't able to actually face the brutality of the situation. Um, no, thank you for that, Simon. That's, that's, that's really fascinating. Um, let's just move on. To tell, tell us a little bit about, in terms of other ways that mindset, maybe organisationally, has, uh, has been effective and, and, and important as well. Sure. So essentially, organisations are just collections of individuals. And so as organisations, we can have exactly the same way of thinking as we do as individuals. So some organisations, even some that we work with, we find that there is an overconfidence, a, a sort of a, 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 an overconfident mindset, yes, where, like that, yeah. where people might feel that, um, oh, we can do anything, but we, you know, because we are whoever we have this name we can do anything um, and, and we can overcome anything and they might actually ignore a lot of limitations there because their mind be more dangerous as well I would have thought because in a sense if you, if you then sort of venture out to areas that you shouldn't and that's and that maybe that's you talking earlier about the big banking scandals that happened was coming from an overconfidence that, that's right yeah and, and there are others who have the opposite problem there's a sort of Oh, we can't change, we can't develop. And uh, m- mindset is really, really interesting as well. Uh, just a, a cultural th- uh, aspect to this. Uh, we work in India. We work with a lot of organizations who are uh, sort of, in a sense, Indian subsidiaries, offices of, uh, of, 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 of big organizations who have their headquarters in Europe or in the US. And again, mindset is very important there because often I'm told by them, oh, our head office sees us in this way and therefore it limits our scope and our opportunity. And sometimes they say our our head office wants us to change but we see ourselves in a particular way and therefore we don't feel we're able to change. So we just see ourselves as implementers, as delivery people rather than as anything more. Saying a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you start saying that's how they see me, then then if you like the locus of control, the area, the, the, your area of, of, of what you control is then out there. So you're, yeah, you then begin to fulfil what you think others think. But if you change the thinking, then you can completely change that. Yes. So success essentially for individuals and organisations is found when we have the right way of thinking. And so you know most organisations have the skills. Most organizations have the experience, but the thing that would differentiate those that, that win and those that lose are, are the, essentially is the way that they think. So those three things were, just to summarize, give thanks, uh, test truth, and what was the third one again? Imagine destination. And imagine destination. Um, and this is all part of what you're calling the world-class leader program. Just tell just, just us a little bit more about that as well. Sure. Um, so the world-class leader is a... Um, a leadership development program that is designed to be, we call it, the most implementable leadership development program available. Wow. Um, that's, a big, that's, a, that's a big thing to say because the uh, leadership programs, I think, are 
everywhere. It's, it's one of the big buzzwords that's been around for a few decades now. So what's, yeah, tell us more about that. That's quite a big statement to make, Simon. Yeah, it is. And we think we can back it up with, uh, with facts. So we call it the most implementable program available because um, what we do is we, we've cut out a lot of the content. So what you t- typically find in leadership programs and even MBAs and things like this is they just pump you with lots and lots of information. Our program does not do that. The world-class leader is not actually about giving you more information. It's about helping you see things differently and then be able to, to live differently. So There's an old phrase that's there that, that which, which reminds me. We're talking about wisdom then, aren't you, really, I think? Wisdom or emotional intelligence. Um, is, is that what you're talking about? Um, so essentially, for us... Personal change, organizational change starts from the, the inside out. So you have to start with the individual themselves, the, the character foundations they have, the, the way that they think, the way that they organize themselves. And then you can start building out into sort of greater levels of impact, whether it's in, in kind of a, a team context or, or a whole organizational context. So, so, yeah, we think wisdom is found when we actually look for change internally before we expect to see it out externally so that's why the focus of the program is on 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 thinking differently on on different mindsets and then building on from that on very simple skills and ways of thinking and ways of behaving that will radically change um the the impact that we have on those around us well, it sounds a fascinating program, and uh, I'm sure it's going to make quite, quite a big impact. Um, where can we find out more, or where could our listeners find out more about it? Uh, so uh, the website is theworldclassleader.com, and our website as a company is mdnfusion.com. So you can check us out there. We're on Facebook and LinkedIn and things like that as well. Um, But we're passionate, like we said at the beginning, about helping people develop to their potential. We think there's so much untapped potential, particularly here where we are in India. And so we want to help organizations and individuals, in a sense, release that potential so that they can achieve um, what they've been made to achieve uh, rather than just feeling like it always has to be the same. It always has to be as it is now. And again, just how important that is really, you know, I mean, I, I go to India quite regularly and I'm amazed how much it's changing. But I think all of us feel the same thing. We feel that, as, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, we're in this VUCA world, volatile, unpredictable, complex and ambiguous. And it's getting more and more so all the time. And this whole area about how do I manage that in a way that doesn't stress me out, that doesn't burn me out. Um, is very important. Again, listeners will know that uh, we'll put in the show notes um, some links about managing stress and as, as well as um, developing wisdom in life. But I think what you're doing, Simon, is really, really important. So uh, thank you for sharing so much, some, some of the important work you're doing there in Delhi. And uh, again, listeners, if you want to find out more, you, you can um, get details, as, as Simon's pointed out. And again, we'll have them links uh, on the show notes as well. So thank you very much, Simon. Thank you for the time. My pleasure. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you can get all the show notes for this episode from drsunil.com. And could you do us a favour? Head over to iTunes to rate the programme. This is by far the best way to get this content into the hands of those who need it most. 
Also, do you think about who you could pass details of the podcast on to? Don't forget to check out the blog for more great content. That's drstanil.com, helping you to make sense of life in a challenging and complex world. Until next time, goodbye for now. <laughs>